Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Harmony of Hustle podcast. I am super, super excited to actually get this thing rolling. Uh, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time now. I just honestly had, hadn't pulled the trigger until <laughs> until now. So uh, definitely excited to get this thing uh, rocking and rolling. I didn't quite know what I wanted to, to talk about when I was thinking about doing a podcast for the first time. And... I have so many different passions and things that really interest me. So I decided, wait a minute, maybe I can just chronicle that. Maybe that'll be somewhat entertaining to people. And I've always been fascinated about, you know, people that are hustling and trying to be successful and better their lives. And this podcast is going to be basically me chronicling my own journey, but also talking to people who are on their journeys as well and just kind of seeing what commonalities people have, what reasons people have and what everyone's doing to just try to make their lives better. I think it's a common misconception that making the most amount of money possible is the barometer for success. And I don't think that's really the true barometer for success. I think what really shows the true value of being the most successful is how happy are you in your day-to-day life? You know, are you excited to wake up every morning and really work on your craft and push for new limits or are you looking for the weekend and looking to party? I think most people are looking for that escapism and looking to get to the clubs and party and I just, you know, I get old really quickly and having done that in the past, I just know that's not the the ideal situation that I think anyone wants to be in. Um, I get excited every morning to build something and I think the truth is being passionate about the work is the true value in itself. Uh, the work works on you more than you work on the work, to be honest. So I think being able to just uh, find something that you're passionate about and that you can hustle day in and day out is really what everyone should strive for in life. Because I got to tell you, especially starting my entrepreneurship journey, it is not as fun as I thought it would be at times. Uh, the rewards are amazing. When you see something grow, it builds into something. It's a, it's a very, very good feeling. But compared to how sexy I definitely thought it would be. Uh, it's definitely not. And I always knew going in, everyone says, hey, starting a business is difficult and going out on your own is difficult. But it's funny how you know things will be hard, but then when you're actually faced with hard and how that feels, it feels foreign and it feels like it's not how it should feel. You almost feel like when you come into something hard that the theme music should start playing. And that, you know, everyone should be crying around you, cheering for you, like, oh, you got this, man. Like, you're the hero of your own story. So you just feel like it should have that dramatic, dramatic moment. But it never does. In fact, it just feels lonely. It, it feels like you've just made the worst decision ever. And it's just filled with doubt. And it's not super sexy. Now, obviously, if you can get big enough to have a movie about you, maybe you can have it portrayed that way. But that's just not, not how it is on the day-to-day. Um, but I think in this episode, I think what would be, hopefully more valuable for you guys is to kind of talk about what got me on my journey to get this started, kind of where we, where we were at at the beginning of the year and kind of where we're at now, uh, halfway, well, no, now it's December, almost at the end of the year. So like most people, um, I got out of the Navy after about 10 years of service and it was right during COVID. So couldn't really find a job that fit my previous job description. I was 
doing protection at the Pentagon for the Secretary of the Navy. And at that time, I thought my path was going to take me to doing protection at a three-letter agency or working for the government in, in some some sort of way. I mean, that's what my 10 years of experience had led me to. Uh, but because of COVID, none of these teams were hiring, so I had to take just baseline level security jobs, and I hated it. And luckily for me, a friend of mine reached out to me and was like, hey, I think you should come do water treatment. You know, I know you're into fitness and health, and this is actually something that's a big problem that people don't know about, and it, it is in-home sales, but I think you'd really enjoy it. And at that time, I had absolutely no desire to do in-home sales. Um, at the time, like I think most people <laughs> viewed sales as kind of like a, a sleazy profession. I mean, I knew uh, my wife didn't want me to do it. She was pretty vocal about that. And up to that point, I had never done a non or at that point, I'd never done a commission only job. I had only been on salary, right? So for me to just take that leap and go into a commission only job was a huge, huge uh, shift for me. And I was nervous, but I knew I was a hard worker and I knew people made money in this. So I was like, you know what, let me give it a shot. And initially my plan was just to do it for a couple of months until I could uh, reapply for a federal job. I didn't expect to make much money in it. You know, I've always just, again, thought salespeople were just people that couldn't do anything else. Uh, but I was wrong. And about my second month in, well, let me take that back. My first month in, um, I wasn't making much money at all. But uh, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and, and, and seeing people in the industry and talking to some of the guys that I work with who were making a ton of money. So it really motivated me. I was like, okay, I know where I need to get to. I know where I'm at. So I need to hustle and I need to get after it. So I didn't have the best trainer at the time and I kind of had to self-learn. So I just went into a YouTube, uh, YouTube, YouTube university and just learned anything I could about sales. I read books. I mainly studied Jordan Belfort at the start with his straight line selling, uh, read Chris Voss's uh, negotiation book, never split the difference, which is an amazing book. If you haven't had the opportunity to read that, I would definitely put that up there if you're in sales it's an amazing amazing book uh really goes into the psychology of selling and negotiating specifically and my second month in i remember it was the second week and i got my commission check for that week and it was for thirteen thousand dollars and i'll never remember seeing that pay stuff come in because i called my manager while i was driving i was like dude this is the most money i've ever seen in my entire life like is this is this legit like is this legal like this doesn't seem real um but he's like, nah, dude, you're just killing it. This is great. So I was super excited. I, I could finally actually see the path out. I could see the path to wealth. I could see the path to financial freedom, which that in its own right, I think was an amazing revelation. I think most people stay poor and they stay broke, not because they inherently want to or that they're lazy, although that is a component. I just think some people don't actually know how to go make money. It's not something that's taught sales and 1099 and being an entrepreneur and working for yourself and running a small business, that's not something that you learn in high school, right? You have to go to a business college and have that innate desire to even have an opportunity for that kind of education. So I saw the path and I, I just went full on in. And I think those next two months, I probably made about 25, 30K a month. And when I got out of the military that time, I had loads of credit card debt. I mean, it was probably around 40 grand and 
you know, I had a wife and mortgage and all this other stuff. So I was pretty stressed out at the time. And I didn't really uh, know what I was going to do until I found sales. So unfortunately, I wasn't getting promoted as fast as I thought I should have. And so I got headhunted to go work for a solar company. And that's when things started getting really nutty. Uh, I remember I made my first big paycheck and it was $70,000 in one week. And when I was making more in a week than people were making a whole year, it really changed my outlook on money and life and business as a whole. Uh, hey guys, the audio started crackling at this point of the podcast, so I had to cut it out. But basically, uh, I just talked about how the company I was working for at the time was basically went out of business and I had to make a decision and that's where I am back here. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of my time and my mental sanity and basically, I was facing a decision. Do I help this guy rebuild this company, which I knew didn't have a long lifespan anyway, or do I go out on my own? Because at that point, I realized I could go out and make my own money. I learned how to knock doors. I learned how to sell in homes. And having that combination was really deadly for me because I realized that if I ever got into a rock and a hard place or need cash, I could literally just go out into the world and print money. Uh, I remember the biggest commission check I ever got was $15,000 for knocking a door. So <laughs> when you do things like that, it kind of changes your perspective on everything. So I said, uh, you know what? I think I want to start a business. Uh, I talked to some of the people that were working there that I was, I was close with and I talked to my wife and I was like, hey, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to do it in solar. I want to do it back in water because and not to offend any solar listeners out there, but it's just not a product I believed in. I had some issues with it. I had a lot of customer issues with it. And I think that company kind of scarred my my uh, vision of solar. So I love the water. I love the health benefits of it. I know it's a problem in the United States. It's something that people don't realize is a huge problem right now with all the contaminants in the water and how much it affects your skin, your hair, your overall longevity, your health. So I said, what, 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 what do you say? And I can't believe she agreed, but... Uh, my wife was like, no, I think this is a good idea. I see no hard work. Let's do it. And so we, you know, sold our house and started the business in March of 2023. And immediately after doing so, I thought it was going to be a, not an easy ride, but I remember when I was doing the math for the business, I was like, okay, I just need to get five deals a month, five deals a month and we break even. That can't be that hard, right? Five deals a month is nothing. And we didn't hit five deals a month for at least our first two to three months. And in that time, I'm just bleeding money, bleeding capital, uh, being in more treatment, we're inventory heavy. So my cash flow is super tight, really until I get to 20, 25 deals. Um, I had a small crew, it was me and a couple of guys from the solar company. And my first installer that I hired was a process. It cost a lot of money to get them. I had to buy a van for them, all this stuff. And his second weekend, he ends up no-showing one of the service calls that we have and just stole my van just took my van and basically took it to get it chopped up. Uh, luckily, I was able to find it in time, which was a whole process in itself. I had to f track down his family and try to get his family to get a hold of him, and it was a freaking mess. So end up letting him go, and I didn't have a plumber for probably a month and a half, which for a service-based company means death. If I don't have someone to install my jobs, I can't install my jobs. And at that time, I didn't really have the skill set of a plumber to be confident enough to be putting these things in the homes. So we went on a scramble of a, of a job search. We finally found somebody. 
And that guy actually worked out well for a while, but he was really unreliable. Uh, he was overweight, and he ended up basically just getting sick all the time. And no call, no show, three jobs in a row. And at that point, I obviously had to, to cancel cancel the engagement with him at the company just because customer experience to me is the most important thing. And having someone that uh, is not able to fulfill that was just not going not gonna to happen for me. So... Again, I was stuck without a plumber. Luckily, and this is a good lesson for anyone that's in the sales industry right now or working for somebody else, it's always important to keep those relationships and build relationships because you really never know when you're going to need somebody again. And my old vice president at the water company I worked for, he started his own business. And so we got really close and he allowed me to use his plumbers from out of state to help install some of my jobs, which was a godsend. Now, the downside is I had to pay double <laughs> double my install cost to make this make this happen but uh you know i had to get jobs in so that was probably the first three to four months and we were doing really well but automation was hurting so i brought on a coo his name was josh and he really helped speed things up as far as the back end it took a lot off my plate we were able to get onboarding simplified we were able to get actual uh, accounting in get budgets put in place because me that is not my strong suit i'm the the front lines go out let me sell deals let me recruit people let me you know just be the vision of the company let me be the, the frontline leader of the company uh, that's really where i where i excel at you you put me in front of spreadsheets and looking at numbers and all that nonsense it's 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 game over for me <laughs> so uh got him in got the back end going and then we actually got registered so i'm 100 disabled from the navy and we got registered with the va or with the sba excuse me for the um service disabled charter to basically get government contracts which at the time i thought was gonna be amazing and this is kind of the highs and lows of, of entrepreneurship is you know the the real the residential side was a little slow at that time because obviously we're new to the to the area we don't have a name we don't have the word of mouth so we're just scraping trying to get as much as we can and when we got this contract or we got the designation to bid on contracts and got that approved it opened up a world for great financial growth because we get probably five billion set asides a year that aren't touched that we can attack. So then we partnered and we got this connection with a company out of New York that's all they do is commercial. So we just thought, oh man, this is going to be it. This is going to be the game changer. This is what's going to turn the company around. This is, you know, we're only been in business for four or five months and we're already going to be winning contracts and it didn't happen. <laughs> um, we did get the partnership, but with them being a big business and them being busy, it, it only now in the month of December did we get our, our final framework agreement signed, which means only now can we actually start bidding on contracts. So being able to, to temper my expectations was something that I have been learning as a painful lesson in, in running a business. I am a very fast pace. I just want to get after it, get things done, get things going. And in the business world, it doesn't care, really, if you have ambition. It doesn't care how fast you want to go. It will slap your ass back 50 feet and get you starting all over. And that's basically how it felt for most of the, most of the time. Uh, we started doing really well in April, and we actually started seeing some ex exponential growth. We got to six deals, then seven deals, then back in October, we got up to, to eight deals, which... I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's about $40,000, $50,000 in revenue. 
so coming into November, we were about to actually exceed our yearly mark. I think we were uh, about at about 300K in revenue at that point, 320K in revenue. Now, obviously the downside is a lion's share of these deals came from me. I think as of this recording, I've done $180,000, $190,000 of the sales revenue um, compared to the total 300 that we have. So over half of, of the revenue was, was for me. And then the other line share was from, uh, one of my, my, my sales guys and, and, uh, profit share owners, Tyler, he, uh, he invested in the business. So he was really hustling and to, to make money as well. And so me and him really were the only ones that were making money for the company, which is, I think the biggest constraint for a business like mine is you need more people to do the legwork to help grow the company. So, now in December, we finally had what I would call a quote-unquote full team. We got about, uh, let's see, six guys in Virginia Beach, um, two guys in Charlottesville, Richmond, one guy in Alexandria, then I just hired another guy for the Richmond area. So that's super exciting, but even the team that we have, they're not or haven't been top performers, so they haven't been working at their full capacity, and that's where it really becomes uh, interesting as a leader is how do you get your team to one bind to the vision, but literally work and kill for you day in and day out, especially in the winter months when it's getting cold. You know, my teams are, are, are canvassers. So they're door knocking, they're closing their own deals or sweat. They're putting it on the line every single day. And if you don't have a bunch of capital and you don't have a, a big name yet, and you don't have an amazing compensation package, then what you have to do is you have to sell a vision. And you have to be the kind of leader that people want to follow one, which means you have to make sure you keep your word at all times, especially, it should be all the time, but especially early on, like you need to be above reproach. You need to set the example. You have to do the work so they can see what's possible. So tomorrow I'm going to be going out knocking. And right now, because it's the winter time, it's cold, it's dark early. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to knock till 8 or 9 p.m. just to show them like, hey, this is possible. Like This is what the top 1% do. This is how you make top 1% money. But a lot of owners and CEOs don't want to do that work. They just want to push it off and delegate it so they can focus on growing the business, which, yes, you, as a CEO, you cannot be in the front lines every single day. That's just not how good leadership works. You need to be able to grow the business, and also you need to be able to see the entire battlefield. Uh, Jocko Willick talks about this a lot in his book, uh, Leadership Tactics and Training, is there's two different types of leaders. There's the ones that are on the front lines fighting, but the problem is if you're in the front lines fighting, you, you don't get to see where enemy combatants are coming from. So you need to be able to stop fire while your team pushes forward. You step back, look over the formation and see what uh, enemies could be there, what traps could be there, and which ways you should move to, to make the, the mission a success. And that really does translate into business. As a CEO, you need to be able to be the strategic direction and make strategic moves that make sense and make that are good decisions that push your company forward especially in the early days when you don't have a lot of capital. Those early decisions can, can really make or break the business. So that was something that, that I really, you know, fo been focusing on. But you have to you have to play both parts. And for a little bit of too long, just because I had to recruit and build and do all these things, I wasn't in the front lines as much. So that's really going to be my focus now uh, for these next four days is being on the front lines to show these guys uh, exactly what's possible. I've also learned for if you do have a service-based business out there, one thing that works really, really well 
is to actually create some sort of a guide for your setters or your salespeople. And the guide should sort of gamify the whole process. And it shouldn't be easy. It should be something that they have to strive for. And it should almost seem impossible at some point. So I made a 90-day challenge guide for these guys. And I mirrored it off of the same actions that I took when I first got into sales to uh, actually become successful. And it gets very, 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 very hard. And at the end of it, I have a hell week that is just, I mean, you have to work 16-hour days to complete. And it's designed for only a few people to complete it. But those that make their way through, it allows them to build confidence. It allows them to, to actually start believing in themselves. And it does it in a way that um, just distracts them from the, the monotony of knocking doors every day because they have a checklist they have to follow, they have goals they have to hit, and you've already preset it for them so they don't have to think about it. They just need to show up every day, go to work, and knock out the list. And that makes it very easy for them, but also teaches them the meta skills on how to set goals. Because one mistake I found early on was like, hey, set some goals, do this. Uh, set long-term goals, set short-term goals, set, uh, set medium size goals. But I realized that a lot of the people I was working with, they didn't even have the meta skill to be able to do that. They didn't know how to effectively set benchmarks, set skills, and plan to achieve those. So I took the guesswork out of it, wrote it for them so they can see what uh, a, an actual skill bridge looks like where you don't go after the big goal right away. You create these small achievable goals at first that compound on each other and then eventually become this massive, massive thing. And, and that's something that we've seen now in December, seen actually more produ production on uh, this first, well, I guess it's the second week now, but we today had the most appointments booked than we've had the entire year. So we're going in the right direction. And I think for me, I just need to keep iterating this process, just keep my you know ears to the ground and see where the team needs me so that way we can really finish the year strong. Um, our goal was 400K for the year. Uh, we did start late. We started in March, so it wasn't a full calendar year. And I think we'll be able to hit it. Uh, we are a little bit behind, but that's where me as a leader needs to come in. And I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to try to hustle and get as many deals closed as I can. Um, I was able to close a couple deals over the phone today, which was awesome. Uh, just doing cold outreach and reaching back out to old clients and getting referrals is always uh, a great way to get those last minute deals in. But um, I'm really excited to spread the message of, of clean water. It's something that people need. It's growing industry. The forever chemicals that we that are in our water, people are becoming more aware of it now. So this is really something that I think um, in the next five years um, that will continue to grow. And I'm excited to see on this podcast what my thoughts are and um, what I'm worried about in five years from now, because I, I guarantee you my five-year-old, my five-year CEO self is going to be laughing at some of the things I'm complaining about, uh, you know, in, in my seventh, eighth month of, of ownership and um, just, I'm probably going to have bigger problems that I'm like, ha, uh, if only I can go back to those small problems that you had back when you couldn't get enough people or get enough leads in, because that's, that's where we're at. We're in the, the growing iteration phase and you know, it, it is kind of just like randomly trying to figure things out and piece things together. And it's like trying to make a puzzle, but you don't know if you have all the pieces yet. So it's fun. It's exciting. I can tell you if you're thinking about starting a business, it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. It's also the hardest thing you'll ever do. And if you really want to do this, I can't stress it enough. Just be okay with being in fear 24-7 and not knowing if it's going to work out 24-7. You, you kind of have to have that psycho belief 
that it will work out and that your effort will pay off. And I will say what I have found just in my experience in general is if you just keep doing positive actions over and over, things will work out. So um, that's where we're at now. We uh, started at zero. We're at 400. We're at 320K in revenue now. We got to get to 400 by the end of the year. Uh, we do have an installer now. We got a team now. So we are growing. And uh, I'm excited to document this journey with you guys. I'm excited to bring on more guests and, you know, interview more people. And I really hope this thing does grow. So if you enjoyed this podcast, if you want to hear more, or if you just want to support me, please share this with your friends and people that you think might find some value from it. And you can follow me on social media, JS underscore shoes on Instagram or Justin underscore shoemaker on TikTok, Justin shoemaker on all my other social media platforms. Uh, give me a follow. Let me know what you think of the podcast, what, uh, what we can improve upon. And, but yeah, ultimately just share this around to your friends and family. I, I really want to get the message out there and, and provide as much value to, to the world that I can. So I appreciate you guys. I'll see you next episode. Peace.